guys, welcome to the Atlas Podcast, episode 20. My name is Emma Loggins, Editor-in-Chief at FanBolt.com, and we are without Jakai once again this week. A um, little bit of background information with what's been going on with him. Uh, his baby, Zach, was born on August 5th, and he's had a little bit of trouble, and he's still in the hospital getting healthy enough to come home. Um, there's a really awesome Give Forward campaign to help out with um, expenses that Jakai and Mandy have in the process of bringing little Zach home. Uh, so if you want to check out Atlanta Movie Tour's Twitter page, you can find out how you can donate uh, to the campaign and help, uh, help send a little love their way. In the meantime, I have a uh, guest host back with me this week, Maddie Ryan from last week's episode, Trago <laughs> Comics. Welcome back. Thank you for having me again. <laughs> you were available on short notice, so it worked well. <laughs> well, you're stuck with me for another week, I guess. Another week. Hopefully, Ja'Kai will be back next week. Um, but we do have a cool show this week for you guys. Uh, we have some Mr. Robot interviews from Comic-Con. And one more Stranger Things interview. It's actually our last one that we have from the set visit uh, that I did earlier this year with Eleven, Millie Bobby Brown. And then, of course, as always, box office results, a review of Sausage Party, which I saw last week, and they actually gave us free drinks at that screening, which I think was a nice touch. I think I liked it a little bit more because of the drinks. <laughs> trying um, to bribe the audience. <laughs> or trying to bribe us. Just like, it worked. It worked. Hey, you you got you to gotta do what you got to do sometimes. Yep. Yep. Um, but starting out with uh, Mr. Robot... We're both big fans of that show. Yes, yes. Uh, I, you know, having caught up on Stranger Things, I still think Mr. Robot is better. We had this discussion this morning, and he's like, Stranger Things is number two, Mr. Robot's number one. And I was like, meh, nah, nah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I think we're going to agree to disagree, but. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're they're close. They're, they are close. They're very very close. They're very different shows too, so it's yeah. probably not even fair to compare them. Um, but Mr. Robot, if you're not familiar with it, it is hands down the best show on USA Network. Probably the best show USA Network has ever had. Um, probably the best and most successful. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a great show about a hacker, and what's really cool about it, we've talked a little bit about the show um, on the podcast before and kind of all of the little Easter eggs that are, you know, hidden throughout for, um, you know, really tech savvy people that watch the show. You can go and you can actually, um, you know, find some of these websites and look through the source code and kind of find a cool little scavenger hunt or, or trail of clues that lead to other places of things that you can decode. And um, that uh, movie that they had in what was it, like the beginning of the second episode that they yeah, watched? Yeah, the, uh, uh, what would they call it? It was like the, the murder of the bourgeoisie or something yeah. like that. Yeah, they, they, yeah. They actually created a little nine-minute movie that they featured in one of the episodes this season. They're doing so much extra stuff um, in support of the show. Um, it's great. It's great at, that there's... Well, it's all Sam Esmail. It's not, yeah. it, it's not even the network necessarily. It's He's creating all this extra material. It's really like, it's more than a show. It's almost like an experience that you get to have watching it with all of these other little kind of trails that you can go down and explore and freeze frame and scan QR codes. And I don't know. I like it. 
I there, there's cool. a lot of depth to it. <laughs> there's a lot of depth to it. I always wonder, like, who they have doing all of these, uh, some of the tech, tech stuff that they've set up, some of these other websites, and, you know, hiding things in the source code and all of that, if they've got, like, some interns from MIT or something, or... I don't know. It, it's just, it's very, like, everything is really, really well done. Well, well, part of the creative group involved in this is anonymous. It's anonymous content. Well, there you go. So I have a feeling <laughs> they, they might have some help elsewhere. A little, little <laughs> bit of support in there yeah. somehow. And, I mean, you know, I read something last year, too, when they were talking about, you know, the coding on the show and how they wanted to make it so authentic. And, you know, just... They were talking about how just a simple screenshot of, you know, 10 to 15 seconds they would spend hours hours and hours and hours on making sure that the code was correct. It's really funny. There's a, um honest trailer out that covers all of the shows that's been nominated for the Emmys. And, um, and of course, Honest Trailers themselves got nominated for an Emmy for um, all of their different pieces of short trailers and, and work that they've done, which is pretty cool. Um, but their one that they did for Mr. Robot was pretty hysterical. It's like, you know, most accurate representation of a hacker ever, but TV has set that bar so low that it's <laughs> it's like not, you know, it, they deserve more praise than they're getting from this, but the bar has been set really, really low. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, you can only go up kind of from there. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, and they named it Bike Club instead of Mr. Robot, which is I don't know. I liked it. You guys should go look it up. It's on uh, Fanbolt's Facebook page uh, from last week, and it's a, it's a really good watch. But in the meantime, we have interviews with Rami Malik and Christian Slater um, from the Mr. Robot press room. So close. So close. Did I butcher it again? Damn it. <laughs> Rami Malik. Rami Malik. So again, close. episode 20, still messing up names. Um, so please enjoy this interview. When I first read uh, each episode, um, you know, the same things you loved about the first season are, you know, definitely there uh, this year. But um, because of the way we told the story in the first season, it was very focused on... Uh, you know, Elliot and and how he was going to, uh, you know, go through this plan he had to, to save the world and, you know, his relationship with Mr. Robot. And now we can, we see um, the consequences and the fallout of, of, you know, the plan. We see the aftermath and how devastating it is. And from there, you can follow everyone's life in the story and how uh, how that's influence and impact everyone's character. So it's broadened our story. I think it sets up a, a really great blueprint for you know where we can where we can go. There's so many directions we can now go and there's just something in there for everyone this year. How is it for you to plug into Elliot's personality? How do you continue to, to bring that to the you know, after the first season, I finally started to think, oh, I, I have this guy figured out. And then when we were getting ready for the next season, um, you know, there's a, a space of time that takes place 
where anything might have happened. And so I really had to prepare myself for that. And in doing so, I realized there was so much I still have yet to figure out. And I, I think about Elliot, uh, you know, a few years down the road and how he's going to grow or, or if he will grow at all. I mean, maybe things only get worse for him and he spirals into some really defeated place. I don't know yet, but uh, one thing I can say is I never know where he's going to be. Even after each episode, he's very changed. He's an altered human being, so there's only so much I can say I, I do truly understand about him. Um, so that was a pretty cool press room. What's really cool about Raimi is that he essentially is Elliot. Like, when you're talking to him, he has the same demeanor and um, eye movements and everything as his character. And everything seems really articulated and um, his movements are kind of slow and he seems surprised a lot. And it's just like you're you're having a conversation with Elliot, which is a little creepy, but also kind of cool. I kind of feel that way about Christian Slater, though, too. Like it, That's it, awesome. Mr. Fair. Robot is essentially every, all the best parts of every role Christian Slater's ever done. And seems to be in person, so... Yeah, definitely. You know what's, what's kind of interesting? We were talking about this before I started recording. Um, Raimi is nominated for a Emmy, of course, this year. Mr. Robot actually got nominated for a number of Emmys. Um, and that, of course, airs next month. But what was interesting is that Christian Slater was not nominated despite having won the Golden Globe earlier this year for Best Supporting Actor in a TV Drama. And then he forgot to thank him and his speech. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not going to try to butcher the name. I'm not going to try to butcher the name again. Um, uh, but yeah, like uh, that's a little, I don't know, maybe that's karma. Is that, is that karma or is that a little bit of a snub by the... Emmy group. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it was an accident. Christian Slater's a great guy. Um, I don't think that he did that intentionally. You just, I imagine you get up there and you have so many things going through your head that you probably forget the most obvious ones. Oh, I'm sure you could forget a lot of people. Yeah. I, but is it is it a snub by the Emmys towards Christian Slater? I don't know. I don't know. Is there Seems... is there a backstory there? Do you I, know? Not that I know of. I and. We didn't look very closely either at who is on that list over him. We didn't. So I know there was a few Game of Thrones names on there. Um, yeah, Best Supporting Actor in a Drama Series. Um, Jonathan Banks, Better Call Saul, Peter Dinklage, Game of Thrones. It's uh, a pretty hefty lift. Kid Harrington, pretty, yeah, Jon Snow. <laughs> <laughs> um, Peter Dinklage has got that. John Voight's on there. Yeah. Like it's That's a pretty hefty list. It is, it is. But I find it's just weird that... Christian won the um, the gold globe. The golden globe, ah, golden globe for it, and isn't even nominated for an Emmy. I don't know. It's weird. Um, but that being said, I'm super excited that Mr. Robot's getting a lot of attention. It definitely deserves it, and it basically secures our third season. So, yeah, more power to it. More Mr. Robot. More Mr. Robots. Moving along to Stranger Things, this is like a sad day because it's our last bit of Stranger Things content we have until they finally announce that the show's coming back, which it's got to be coming soon. I'm not sure why they've not not announced it yet. They, they've done a couple of studies on it where they have said that, um, of course, Netflix doesn't release their numbers, but a couple of different uh, 
I don't even know what kind of agencies do this, but kind of look and measure at the the buzz on social media for these different shows and kind of estimate the numbers for Netflix and how successful certain shows they are compared, how successful shows are compared to their other shows. And of course, Orange is the New Black, which I believe is in its fourth season, is in first, and it's followed by Stranger Things, which actually has had more online buzz than Daredevil and Jessica Jones and yeah. um, House of Cards. And, I mean, that's really impressive. I, I don't really know anybody that hasn't watched it at this point. Like, it's... Yeah. Especially in our age range, like... Yeah. It's, um... But it is kind of interesting because, granted, I've been singing its praises since I, like, went to set in March, but it's not something that had a lot of heavy promotion or, you know, a big marketing campaign behind it prior to launch. It just kind of was out, and it really was word of mouth, I think, that, um you know, just people heard about it, and everyone was like, you have to watch it, and then they watched it, and it really... They didn't seem like they had a lot of marketing behind it. No. Uh, yeah, it, it kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, I, I was aware of it because you wouldn't stop talking about it. But, yep. <laughs> but uh, I mean, once I saw, I was, you know, I was hooked. Finally and got to finish it, too. So What do you think, now that you're finished? I, I liked it. I, I thought it was a great finale. Um, I mean, certainly sets up a second season pretty easily. Yeah. Um. I, I'm very curious, but much, you know, not to throw a comparison back to Mr. Robot, but like at <laughs> the end of the first season of Mr. Robot, I had no idea how they were going to top the first season. And I kind of, right. I feel that way with Stranger Things. Like what's, what's next? Yeah. Um, I mean the second season, I don't, I, I can't think of a single show where the first season hasn't been my favorite season. And I can't imagine you know, Stranger Things season two coming along and me liking it more than season one. Um, I'm sure I'm still going to like it, but season one was just so great. And even Mr. Robot, I mean, season two, not to go back to that for a minute, but we're going to go back to that for just a minute. Um, season two is weird. And you didn't see last week's episode um, where it's basically like TGIF full house step by step at the beginning, but it's a little weird. Yeah, it's all in yeah. Elliot's head. I know so. it's all in Elliot's head, but it's Elliot's like, a little weird. As an audience member, you're starting to question your own sanity watching these episodes, which maybe I mean I, it's kind of cool, but yeah, I you, think that's partially the intention. Yeah, you you relate to Elliot a little bit more than maybe you did in season one when you felt like you knew what was going on. Um, but moving back to Stranger Things, I will note that the soundtrack for the series came out last week and. I thought it would be cool just to have it, like, on in the background. So I was, like, working on, I guess, Thursday and Friday I had it on. And then I realized, like, during the middle of the day, I was just, like, really tense. And it I was like, you this is, like, not the soundtrack to listen to while you're working. It's just... It's, I'm surprised you didn't buy it on vinyl to get the full experience. You know what? It's funny that you mentioned that because I ordered um, three, three vinyl records on... Um, on Friday, and I was like, oh, I wonder if they had Stranger Things. Because what was weird is when I was in Florida, they had cereal, like the podcast cereal. They had that music on vinyl. And I was like, that's just not something I would think about buying on vinyl. Yeah. That's weird. Um, so I well, totally need to see if they have Stranger Things. I mean, more appropriately, uh, appropriately, it would probably be available on cassette tape, but... <laughs> 
Probably um, would be, but I have no vinyl way to play be, that. <laughs> I know. Vinyl would be a lot more fun. Yeah, I have a record player. I don't have a cassette player. It's funny, I have a, um, a Guardians of the Galaxy cassette up on my, uh, my promotional wall there. I have no way to ever listen to it, but that's also a good soundtrack. Very good soundtrack. Side, side note. <laughs> but um, so here is our interview with Millie Bobby Brown, who plays Eleven on Stranger Things. Um, so tell me a little bit about your character. Okay, so my character is a 12-year-old orphan with telekinesis uh, who encounters these, you know, three boys um, and just sort of, st- sort of form a really good relationship with this one boy, Mike. Um, but throughout the series, there are still some flashbacks of her when she was a child, well, when she was, you know, in this... A laboratory and um, and yeah so she she's a very troubled character she doesn't really know what to do what life is really like she doesn't know what what the child the, the child's life like a real child's life is right um, and so yeah I mean that's all I can really say about her do you get to play Dungeons and Dragons with them at no. all? No. <laughs> I've actually uh, never played. So. I know it's not. It's not a. I don't like when I see the when I see this footage of the boys playing it. You know, Will Lucas, mm-hmm. Dustin, and Mike, and it's like, oh my goodness! Like it seems so much fun when you're into it, but then, you know, I just sit over there in that corner or there, <laughs> and I just play with this little, this little massive, uh, like walkie-talkie. It's it's pretty awesome. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, did they um, recommend that you watch any certain movies as kind of preparation uh-huh. for, like, the tone? So they told me to watch Poltergeist, Stand By Me, and The Goonies. Mm-hmm. When I watched them, and now I've watched this, I'm like, you just put that in a blender and you have Stranger Things. But it's so much more... Um, it's just got such an amazing storyline and plot. Like, you just... You 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 know it's not that mo- it's not them movies. It's just you see parts of it like oh I can see where they got that from you know right. Um, but it's it's their own show. It's very independent. Okay. Yeah. Poltergeist was a movie I watched as a child that like permanently scarred me. <laughs> so. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what's what's your thoughts on the the older Poltergeist? Do you um, can you see the influence of those? those movies and, and mm-hmm. even in particular the thrill, that one. I mean I can I can tell that this the, the, the horror that you know that there could be a, a, a little bit of genre like horror mm-hmm. um in this show that I can see from Poltergeist but I don't see anything else you know like in I, I find that Stand By Me is that friendship between the, these four boys mm-hmm. and then in the Goonies it's this adventure you know that right. all these kids have an adventure and and you put them together, and it's like, wow, this is this is brilliant. <laughs> it's an amazing concept. Um, and they told me that the performance that they sort of wanted me to sort of resemble was E.T. and sort of that relationship between uh, E.T. And, and the kids. And I thought that's that's very interesting. And you know, it's like. Makeup, <laughs> Ross and me and Matt and Ross were like, you know, um, it's basically gonna be an alien. <laughs> it's like, great, I'm hired. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you know, just like that sort of, that sort of personality and that friendship that he has with the kids. Cool. 
Um, well, since like you are kind of your character is kind of so isolated and doesn't know what it's like to to be a kid, really. Right. How do you? How did you prepare for that, or how did you kind of get into the mindset of like I guess kind of ignoring everything that you know from your own childhood? Right. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't difficult for me. I I I I find that Eleven is very troubled, like I said, but she she's bland and ordinary and for me to forget my my real childhood you know it's like you have to think i've been kept in a facility with matthew modine a papa um, mm-hmm. and you know he he's just he wants me to be capable of my powers and so for me i had to just sort of get in that mind frame like oh no <laughs> you know this kid's been through a lot right you know and then come back and, and come back to a reality and i mean Eleven is a, again a complicated character. So when you get into that mind frame, it, it's not it's 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 easy to sort of come out of it. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about uh, your experience, kind of filming in Atlanta, and how the city's been for you? Yeah, it's been great. It's been I've never been here before, so this is a great city to be in. It's very busy. I mean, we live right outside of it, and. Um, around a place called Fayetteville and so it's very quiet very family orientated I have a younger sister so she um so she like just likes that sort of environment and when you go into Atlanta you know when I have dinner with Winona and Matthew and we were sitting there it's like so many people and then I go back to Fayetteville and it's like very mellow (laughs) chilled out so but it's been great here um we go to school trips and uh, we go to the aquarium and I really want to go to the Civil Rights Museum. Me and Caleb really want to go, so we're learning about that in school at the moment. So, yeah. But we love the city. It's great. Cool. How do you prepare for a part where you have to emphasize more on your stage presence than your actual dialogue? Well, um, I've done a couple other projects where I've had a lot of, you know, lines. And so when I came into this, I said, you know, um, I find it more difficult than actually having any dialogue because if I have dialogue, you know, I'm more focused on the dialogue. You know, with 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 my with my actions, you know, I have to cry sometimes, and even if I don't have to cry, I well up because she's so emotional. And and so when you know when there's this little scene where Mike and Eleven nearly kiss, and so we're like this, and 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 it's like she doesn't say anything; she's completely plain, and but she doesn't, you know. So for me to get into that sort of that 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 role uh, as Eleven, it's like, it's it's difficult to get into, but it's easy to get out of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So when I go into it, it's like, okay, she's had a terrible life, you know? She's she's coming into the real world. She's trying to be a kid from, like, now. And, and so, you know, it's not, it's not difficult for me to come out, but it's difficult for me to go in sometimes. Yeah. Is there a certain episode that you're really excited for people to see? In oh, my character? goodness. <laughs> I am so excited. Let's see. I'm very excited, obviously, for episode one, because that is the best. It's just, like, you guys are going to freak out when you see it. And episode eight is amazing. The finale. You guys are going to die. It's going to be so good. And everybody's going to be, like, you're just on edge. You just want to see season two so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know um, how many people actually realize that she is British, but they they do now after hearing that interview. I had no idea myself. <laughs> 
Um, she's really quite charming. I mean, all of those kids, I've said this a gazillion times over, they're all awesome kids. Um, but she's really, really charming. I I was thinking about this when watching the last few episodes. Like, it, I feel like this series is going to launch her career and do something yeah. you know, amazing. I don't get the same impression from the rest of the kids, though, because they're all a little bit too goofy. I mean, I think they definitely are going to be maybe typecast. Yeah, I think bit. I think that's where um, the problem may lie in the future for them. I mean, I I wish them the most success possible because they're they're a lot of fun to watch. They're a lot of fun, and they're all really talented. They have a, a pretty awesome, especially you know, um, Dustin, my Dustin, <laughs> my favorite character Toothless. with his list. Toothless. Yes. Um, um, he's an amazing singer. Uh, if you look up his videos on YouTube, he has, uh, and he, of course, he was in um, Les Mis before, and he's been in a number of different productions, and he's just fantastic. But um, I definitely agree. I think Millie, I think I said this, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but I kind of think she's like the next Emma Watson. That would make a lot of sense, too, considering yeah. she's British and yes, has exactly. the same kind of... That's the qualification. <laughs> you have to be, like... Talented and British. Talented you're... and British and, like, between 10 and 12, and then you're you're on the right track. Um, but her Instagram page is adorable. I, I definitely recommend checking that out. Um, but, yeah, that's our last... Will she have more hair in season two? I don't know. She's got a little bit more hair right now. So, we'll see, but I'm actually going to be going as Eleven for Dragon Con one day. Pretty excited about it. <laughs> I ordered, I'm doing like the um, the pink dress and the, the wig because I was not about to commit to shaving my head for a costume. I'm not that hardcore. Um, well, you did talk about chopping your hair off, so why not just use that as an excuse? I know. Well, that's that's a little too far. Little. Shaving my head's a little too far. You're not that extreme. No, I mean, but I could get several costumes out of that. I could also do, like, Britney's, crazy Britney Spears. Good. Also with a bloody nose. Also with a bloody nose, yeah. So I've, I've also got to go buy some fake blood for that. Um, so this is going to be awesome. If you guys go to Dragon Con, track me down, because I'm going to be doing, like, the, the, the evil stare look to, like, yeah, I'm going to be totally in character. It's going to be great. Um, moving on. Box office results. Somehow, Suicide Squad is still in the top spot. Um, brought in $43.8 million this weekend. And I don't understand why people are... Well, I guess nope. because they haven't seen it yet. Well, that, that's a major drop-off. I, I it know is a major drop-off. That's, I mean, that's almost... A, that's Like a $100 million yeah, $100 drop million drop-off. That's massive. Yeah. I mean, I guess its only real competition this week was Sausage Party, um, which it's a certain type of audience that's going to go see Sausage Party. <laughs> so, and in case you're wondering what that audience is, it's 60% of the people that saw it were male and 55% of the viewers were under the age of 25, which is about right for a Seth Rogen movie, I think. Yeah, sounds about right. Um, Pete's Dragon came in third. I've, I'm noticing these typos in my notes. I've got to fix this. Um, Peace Dragon came in third, and I actually didn't see it this week because I was at uh, Play at the Fox, If Then, which is fantastic, and I encourage you to see it in your city. It's now no longer in Atlanta, um, wrapped up over the weekend, but 
Um, Pete's Dragon was like my favorite movie as a kid, aside from Newsies. So my second favorite movie as a kid was Pete's Dragon. And it just didn't do that well. <laughs> um, 21 million. And it took 65 million to make. And a note that was supplied by my friend Mike of Last One to Leave is that these budgets are just based on what it costs to for the production. It doesn't include marketing budgets and, and everything else. But it also so, doesn't include international uh, True, true. Office. And I don't have that num- those numbers for Pete's Dragon. Yeah. And of course, I mean, Disney has such a, a longer lifespan for so many of their products yeah. or, or their movies beyond just the initial release. Um, it's why they wanted to keep Muppets around on ABC because they had all these kind of grander plans for that franchise. Yeah. All sorts of things. But, um, so that came in third and fourth. Jason Bourne dropped down to two spots coming in with 13.6 million and Bad Moms came in fifth with 11.5 million. Bad Moms has actually done pretty, pretty well over the last couple of weeks. Um, also a specific target targeted demographic. That's true. That's true. Maybe it's doing a little bit more now because, um, you know, the kids are back in school and the moms are like, all right, let's go do wine and a movie with some other moms. And Probably. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I would do if I had kids. Um, but, yeah, that's our box office report. And so Sausage Party, review time. I'm still trying to teach Maddie the, uh, the review system here. So I'm going to pull up our notes for this. Uh, <laughs> all right. So you saw Sausage Party last week. I did. And let me give a brief description. And by uh, brief, I mean one sentence description of this movie that I saw. Um, this is the official description for it. A sausage strives to discover the truth about his existence. So that's basically all you need to know. So you, so you basically have to believe that food has personality and has come to life. Yes. And as a side note, also on Fanbolt's Facebook page, Seth Rogen did an amazing bit where they, like, had, um, I don't even know how to describe this. They had, like, animatronic, like, food in, like, a store, and people came in, and then they would have, like, you know, the the fruit or the loaf of bread or whatever scare. It's really funny. You guys should definitely look it up. (laughs) Um, It's a pretty good bit. But, yes, I saw Sausage Party. Well, tipsy. Well, that probably helps. <laughs> it did help a little bit. So, on the boredom scale, what, what are you thinking then? I was never bored. <laughs> it gets a one for boredom. <laughs> was that mostly due to the wine, or is that? <laughs> it was. I mean, I feel like you know what you're getting when you go into to his movies. Um, if you didn't like this, is the end. Then you're not going to like this because this is essentially an animated version with food of this is the end. The same type of humor, maybe not as. Um, it was kind of my impression of it. Yeah, maybe the humor is not as abrasive as like. You mean like or, kicking a head around like it? Uh, yeah, as a soccer ball. Well, yeah. I mean, it's hard to judge it because this is animated and that wasn't. So maybe they are a little bit more similar than they seem like they are in my mind as far as style of humor. Um, but I mean, it's rated R, so it's. Uh, I'm sure there's a, a little bit of swearing in there. There's a little bit of swearing. There's a, and there's a lot of things that are implied. <laughs> I mean, just look at the movie poster, people. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can tell. Um, so, all right, so you gave it a one on boredom. Uh-huh. What about eye rolling? 
That was fairly high. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to give it a four for eye rolling because, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, you, yeah. <laughs> you can tell. Expected. 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 Okay. It's always uh, interesting for uh, an animated movie, but what about best performance? You know, this is hard because there were just, there were so many people in this movie. Um, where to start? I mean, I'm probably going to say Seth Rogen just because, I mean, he did a great job. He was a producer, you know, it's the, the, the lead voice behind it. Um, he, he's just, he, he is this movie. Um, am I reading this right? That James Franco played a character named Druggy? Yep. <laughs> that's, that's. Shocking. <laughs> I mean, everyone. Bill Hader, uh, Michael Sarah, um, and of course, one of Judd Apatow's daughters, Iris. She was in it as well. Jonah Hill, Salma Hayek, um, Nick Kroll, Craig Robinson, Paul Rudd. Danny McBride. Danny McBride. I mean, all of these people, I think, are incapable of making movies without the same group of people being in them. Like, everything, it's... It's this little social circle kind of goes from film to film, and I love this group of people, so I couldn't be, like, more excited about it. Um, yeah, so I'm going to say... No Jay Baccarel, though? No. No. Oh. No. <laughs> so not quite everybody, but close. Not quite. <laughs> close. Very close. Um, but yeah, and, you know, for worst performance, I can't even pick one. I mean, it's an animated movie. Like, there's nothing that... I don't... No. I got nothing for worst performance. None, I of, the well, none of the characters that annoyed you or just... None of the characters annoyed... Well, I mean, no, not really. Um, but you brought up an interesting point earlier about there's a little bit of controversy around you know, on the negative side of things with this film, that there's some controversy around animators being properly credited. Properly credited and properly paid. So a couple articles have popped up uh, over the last couple days of the studio that that they use called, uh, I think it's called Nitrogen Studios. Mm -hmm. uh, apparently they were forcing animators to work overtime for free and then... When the animators kind of they they apparently petition for fair compensation and they weren't getting fed either from this what the story said, um, but uh, so they signed a petition and somewhere along the line they they did get compensated, but that was very late in the game and a lot of people had already quit and a lot of those people that that quit didn't get credited as part of the animation crew. That, that worked on the movie, yeah. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of debate over over what's going on with that movie. I gotcha. Um, the budget was 19 million, which is a uh, I don't know for for an animated movie. I guess it's kind of hard to to judge. I think Secret Life of Pets was 75 million hmm. budget. The, um, one of the articles said it was they were trying to do the animation budget itself we were trying to do for cheap like 20 million right which is one of the reasons why they were stressing you know trying to force people to work for you know as for little to no money right um it does 
create a, an interesting sense of irony to Seth, Seth Rogen's uh, Walt Disney's marketing spoof before the movie came out. Describe. Well, so it, I think it was right before Preacher started on AMC, there was a bunch of uh, commercials for Sausage Party where Seth Rogen was was completely doing a full-on spoof of Walt Disney in the animation studio, and uh, Walt Disney was was not known for treating his animators the best. Uh, so there creates a little bit of irony there. Oh, well... That sucks. Um, hopefully there'll be some, maybe they'll get credit on the DVD release or maybe there'll be some sort of effort made to kind of make that right. But I hope so. I mean, and, and I mean, from what I was reading too, it's, you know, this wasn't on Seth Rogen's part. This seemed to come more from the directors and the studio side than, right. than from Seth Rogen's side of it. Right. I have I have um, encountered Seth Rogen twice. Of course, I, I sat behind him at the Preacher premiere at South by Southwest and then saw him again also for Preacher at, um, at a Comic-Con. And actually, one of the questions one of the press people asked him is, you know, about how he likes to push the limits with, obviously, Preacher's a, a very limit-pushing show. And then Sausage Party, I don't know if you could say there's ever been an animated movie that's been quite like this before. It is the the biggest rated R animated film opening ever. Um, I'm not sure how many other films fall in that category. I can think of a few, but not well, a lot most, of... Well, most re- recently there was the, the Batman Killing Joke. Like, that was, uh, that was a few weeks ago. Right. Um, I mean, that did, I think in... It didn't stay in theaters very long, but it was, uh, I think it did like five million, um, which for a Batman animated movie, something that they've never done before, especially R rated, it did pretty well. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, Spoiler alert. Best and worst part of the movie. What was the best and worst part of this movie? Best part was free drinks. Best part might have been free drinks, but I don't know if that's an experience everyone's gonna have. <laughs> um, I mean, it's definitely a good movie to like go see with your bros and like have a couple drinks before and probably a couple more afterwards or during. Um, but I mean, you know what you're getting with us. I wouldn't say there was any spoiler part, anything that like really blew my mind. I think when the credits at the very end, finding out who some of the voices were, um, was pretty funny for me just because I didn't look up, you know, everyone that was, you know, who everyone was beforehand. Um, so that was, that was pretty funny. Best part of the film. I mean, it does actually have heart to it, which is weird to say when you're like describing this movie, but there's a little, there, there's heart to it. You care about the characters, you're rooting for them. Um, I don't know. I, I liked it. I liked it. So I'm gonna give it a, I'm gonna give it a three. It's gonna get an addle. You gotta give it a full addle. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a full addle. Wow. Yeah. It beats Suicide Squad. It beats Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> Not, I mean, bar low. There for me, bar was low. Um, so yeah, that's that's my review for Sausage Party. Um, next week we're gonna have some cool stuff for you guys. Um, of course, still this week we have Project Cosplay. Thursday night, August 18th at Joystick Game Bar. We're going to be starting at 9 p.m. And 
Um, it will be Suicide Squad themed, and I think it's going to be better than the movie. Are you I'm showing saying. up as Harley Quinn? I'm not showing up as Harley Quinn. I thought about it. I did think about it. Um, one of our other judges, Persephone, is actually going to be coming in her burlesque uh, Harley Quinn outfit. So that's going to be probably pretty hot. Something to look forward to. Something to look forward to. <laughs> um, I don't know what I'm going to be wearing yet. But uh, that is Thursday night. Please come early so you can grab a seat and grab a drink and join us. And we'll be hanging out afterwards. Um, so come join the Nerdum. It'll be a nice little pre-party to Dragon Con, which of course is Labor Day weekend. If you've not gotten your tickets yet for that here in Atlanta, basically all of downtown Atlanta as far as I'm concerned that weekend. Um, it's just super cool and you should be there. <clears throat> Maddie, <clears throat> you should get your tickets to that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is literally a hot mess. <laughs> Yes, it is a hot mess, um, but it's such a fun hot mess. It's it like is. it's a four day long Halloween party of just awesomeness, and you know you'll never ever forget the weekend that you spent at Dragon Con. Some people may. Well, depending on how much you have to drink. At <laughs> yes, that, <but> yes, <laughs> it's it's usually quite entertaining. It is, it is, and what's really great about it, it's the same kind of thing with Comic Con. You know, so many people that only get to see. Um, you know, their kind of circle of, of con friends or geekdom, you know, a few times a year. Uh, it's just a really special weekend to geek out with people over what you love most. Uh, so that, uh, that's Labor Day weekend. Project Cosplays Thursday. Next week we'll have a review of Ben-Hur, which I am seeing uh, Wednesday night, which if you're listening to this on the day it came out, will be tonight. And then we'll also have a surprise interview and a lot more. So please join us again next week. We hope Shakai will be back. And until then, we're sending him and Mandy and little Zach all of our love. And thank you for listening. Again, my name is Emma Loggins, Editor-in-Chief at Fanbolt.com. And I'm Maddie Ryan, Chief Creative Officer of Farago Comics. And we'll see you next week. Bye, guys.